Welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Sarah McDooling. My colleague Tracy Mills and I are delighted to be sitting opposite the amazing Tim Flannery, Professor Tim Flannery, here today to talk to us about his new book, Explore Your World, Weird, Wild, Amazing. Can you tell us a bit about this book, Tim? Yeah, it's a, look, it's a, I guess it's the book that I would have loved to have owned as a child. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was always curious about the natural world, um, but back in my time, there was sort of like serious scientific books and then very kid, very simple books, but I wanted something with a bit of depth in it, you know, and I think I, it was hard to find. So so this book I really wrote for myself, I'm being <laughs> not too shy about it, that I did, and it's just full of the, the most interesting facts and views really of about the natural world that I could find because you know the natural world is far more amazing than anyone imagines it and really is weird. full of bizarre things and weird <laughs> exactly some of it is like you read it and you think did I read that right <laughs> <laughs> or, or you observe something in nature and think did I really see that you know, it's kind of <laughs> I have to ask what is the weirdest animal you've come across Oh, my God, my goodness. That's all you're asking me for a difficult question there. But, look, if to choose one, I have to say the immortal jellyfish or the zombie jellyfish is getting right out there on oh. kind of the limits of my you know, <laughs> kind of ability to believe. I don't know uh, what to call a name, immortal jellyfish or zombie jellyfish. Yeah, kind of, the names change. But, but this thing, I mean, it's a proper jellyfish and, you know, it dies like other things do and starts to decompose and rot away, the corpse, you know. But then a few cells from that corpse that haven't died leave the corpse as it rots and they somehow find each other and they form a new mini jellyfish and that jellyfish grows up. So the jellyfish never dies. It's a, it's that is like, magical. It's it seems, incredible. It's just like an alien creature. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I find it quite fascinating when you see uh, the throats of turtles and their intestines that eat jellyfish and all the, the finger-like projections in their throat just to try and eat these creatures. Exactly. Just, just keep them going down the same direction. You've got to keep them, <laughs> <laughs> keep them going. Keep moving down the digestive tract. But yeah, it's it, the, it, the whole... I mean, the world is full of very strange things. I mean, mole rats are another, naked mole rats. Yep. You would not believe what those things do. I mean, uh, just one, one fact. Um, they never get cancer. Why do they, oh. unique among all the mammals we know, never get cancer? So wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> if we can utilise this non-cancer gene and the... Immortal jellyfish gene. We live forever. Well, you're assuming they're genes. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> at the moment, we're not even that far in. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, the study being undertaken at the moment on the yeah. mole rat. Um, yeah. I was remember reading about that, but yeah, they're pretty incredible because they're um, they're like bees and that they live in a colony, um, yeah. matriarchal. That's colony, right. There's one yeah. huge female that controls all of the other mole rats through her urine. Whoa. Yeah, so basically the others drink her urine <laughs> or lick at it and it just controls their whole body so they never become sexually mature and they're just obedient to do the work of the, the female giant From mole drinking rat. her urine. Yeah, it's I'm full of chemicals. I'm to get the so. title of this book. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, the world is, it is so weird. I mean, there's so many wonderful snippets of information in this book and it's all lovely sort of bite-sized um, bits and pieces. One of the things I absolutely love are those little snippets of your life and your career because, you know, you've worked 
across Australia and New Zealand, uh, oh, sorry, Papua New Guinea and the islands around, the Solomon Islands and those sort of areas. And I just love how your passion comes across in those little snippets. Um, you know, talking about growing up in Melbourne and your first exposure to the, the wild world, if you know, realistically. Um, what would be your highlight of your career? What a question. Oh, wow, it's, again, it's a <laughs> difficult question. Look, I do, I do remember, I, I re- write about it in a book, is um, the, my work with tree kangaroos. Yeah. Most people probably haven't even heard of tree kangaroos and the idea that there's a kangaroo that lives in the treetops <laughs> is kind of weird to people, but to me it's, it's totally normal, right? But there is one kind of kangaroo, tree kangaroo that doesn't live in the treetops. It's oh. come down to live in the alpine valleys of the very high mountains of Aviri and Jaya. And oh. this animal's about the size of a, a Labrador, yeah, and it's it's black and white like a panda with a ridiculously short tail. Yeah, and I remember I got the privilege of naming that animal, discovering it and naming it. The local people knew about it before, but I did yeah. it. And to think I was the first European to see that animal was incredible. And it's very tame. Yeah, you can walk up to it because it did not hunted it's so oh, high okay. up. It's not not hunted much. Yeah, um, but I asked the local people what it ate, and they said, "Oh, it eats worms." And I thought, I'll pull the other one. There's no kangaroo on earth that eats worms. <laughs> they all eat leaves or grass or something. You know. But um, sure enough, the, the, some people caught one and um, they wanted to cook it for dinner, which, yeah. which they did, which is anyway, that's their business. But I opened up the stomach of the animal once they'd hunted it and blow me down if it wasn't full of worms. Wow. So oh I gosh. collected the stomach. We counted them later. There was quarter of a million worms in the stomach. <laughs> and those worms live in a kind of symbiotic relationship with the kangaroo. So the kangaroo eats leaves, the worms eat the leaf fragments that the kangaroo ingests, and then the kangaroo lives off all the byproducts that the worms create. It was oh. kind of like one of these astonishing, kind of mind blowing <laughs> things. What is my face doing right now? Because I feel like. <laughs> I feel like I can't believe this is a real thing. And that's not – you've discovered many animals, right? That's right, like, yeah. Well, that's one of the yeah. ones I've discovered. But so the book – I wanted to bring that to life because often these books for, for younger people are not written by actual practitioners who do mm. the field work and stuff. And, and so I felt I was in a bit of a privileged position to have done the work and I wanted to bring that into the book and just let, let kids know what it's like to really make a discovery or how weird the world can sometimes be. You've just got to keep your eyes open all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and look, speaking as an adult who's picked up this book several times and just fallen into it and felt completely, like, entranced because you can't believe these facts, and kids are so much more um, open-minded and prone to wonder and awe than an adult. So I can just... I want to see this book in the hands of a child because I feel like their, their minds will just catch fire yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a good way. Well, I've got a little boy six years old and he loves it, it's, which pleases me greatly because I thought it might <laughs> be a challenge for a six-year-old, but no, he's into it. <laughs> I think the illustrations really help, you know. They're beautiful and they unpack the story a bit, you know. Were you yeah. using him as a guinea pig throughout the process? Um, <laughs> I was telling him some stories and stuff, but it was funny. I could engage him with some of it, but until the book came along, it didn't kind of gel for him as much. But yeah. now he's got the book, he's really happy. He's into it. <laughs> and I mean, the, the snippets are a lovely size for kids to read. It's not too intimidating. It gives them enough information. But what I like about it is that you don't give them all the answers. It inspires that curiosity to go and look 
and research more and find out more about all these animals. And it's just lovely that it's um, fostering that curiosity. Like a big taste of plate of interesting things that can lead to further research. My secret hope is that those kids will be curious enough that some of them will pursue a career in science or whatever and keep their eyes open and that they'll get the answers because we don't have them all at the moment. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I, like, I, as I said, I'm, I did a science degree. I am passionate about animals and reading about it and I'm still picking up things that I didn't know just from reading the book, um, like the section on skunks where you talk about uh, some of the marsupial um, uh, I forget what they were, what they're called. The triox. Um, the, yeah, that yeah, um, are very similar, mm-hmm. and they also have a very strong odor. And I find that fascinating that you've got two very different groups of mammals that have similar characteristics. Yes, it's and um, why is it that one of those triox, one of those striped possums, has a pouch that's divided into two with one nipple in each side? Oh, what? Yeah, why? Do the young fight? What what is this about? It's, it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> We don't that know. Really I just, I've seen it, but Why I don't would, know. What would be the yeah, need for that? I, know. I had no idea. <laughs> would <laughs> anyway. that be the only marsupial with a divided patch? They're the only one I've seen, yeah. 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 Wow. It's really anyway, it's it's a, there's so much that we don't know. It's just, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've... I, I, the young fighting is the only explanation I can think of that makes any kind of well, sense. Me too, but it's kind of <laughs> as big as belief. How could this be and why? I mean, <laughs> Kind of reminds me, is it like the situation with sharks that give yeah. live birth, where they, they fight each other in the womb, they eat each other in the womb, well, not the womb, but, um, and, and then only one survives to actually be born. Um, yeah, I just, I can't imagine that in a marsupial. No, me neither. But anyway, it's a, there's these little observations out there that open a whole world of things. And even around us, I mean, the stuff that's being discovered in our, our world behaviours of animals and yeah. things that we just never suspected mm. is, is astonishing, you know, I think. Yeah. And just ordinary animals, you know. Yeah. yeah. And understanding what's out there before we lose it, yeah. you know, I mean, with climate change and right. the way we're affecting our natural world, you know, what are we losing before we even that have we a chance to we don't even know about. I'll tell you, the one that mystifies me, you know channel-billed cuckoos? They're these great big cuckoos. Yeah. They look like pterodactyls. They're huge, <laughs> great things, you know. And they fly down from New Guinea every year to the east coast of Australia. And they somehow trick or convince or bully like ravens and currawongs to bring up their young. And like you look what? at ravens <laughs> and currawongs, they're really smart birds, hey? So how in heaven's name does this creature do it? We still don't really know how this all <laughs> happens. But it's, it's anyway, the world is full of wonder. Well, it's so like animal foster care. Yeah. And then do they come and pick them up? No, like- they just fly <laughs> off back to New Guinea. And by the time these young cuckoos are hatched, by the time they're grown, they're far bigger than the ravens and the, the, the currawongs are parents that are bringing them up. So it's, it's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love this. Tell me more. <laughs> so many Read the examples. Book. <laughs> that is great advice. <laughs> Everyone should. How long did it take? I, I first heard you talk about this book earlier this year at the Hardy Grant Roadshow. Yeah. Um, that was, you know, a while ago. And how long did it take before that to get it all together? Well, look, the materials that... Um that, that comprise the book really a r- result of a sort of or based on a lifetime of research and writing. So mm-hmm. I do a lot of reviewing for the New York Review of Books and a lot of nature books. So I had a lot of reviews with curious, you know, facts from all aspects of nature in it. So I, I, I used that as the base and then 
ask myself, how do I turn this into something kids will want to read, you know? Yeah. And what are the most interesting facts in it and so forth? So that was the foundation and then I built around it by researching and going into other an, you know, animals, to, animal mm. groups to give it a bit more depth. So uh, Sam Coldwell does the amazing illustrations. Do you work closely with him on them or is it more independent? It's more independent, really. He reads the text and he's just come up with these brilliant things. Now, if any of them were problematic, I'd let yep. him know, but you know, they've been so good that he, yeah. he's just got right onto it and has, has kind of given a visual representation of some of the weirdest stuff in the book. <laughs> what was it like the first time you saw him illustrate your words? Ah, it was... Um, I was really pleased, to be honest with you, because yeah. I'm, I'm not very... I'm not very talented at all in that area. I can't draw at all. But to see him take those words and make them into an illustration that got to the essence of the story but also was like a hook for kids, you know. Because yeah. you, when you're flipping through, you might see an illustration and think, oh, that's what's that about? And read it. Yeah. I think it was just great. It was lovely to, to see him do it. I, I really am in awe of people who can do that, you know. Well, artists who can do that. And now we have this really dynamic, gorgeous, hardcover book that I think... Kids and adults are just going to love. Yeah, you think the adults as well? Think uh, Ooh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm fascinated. I keep picking it up. I got mine a few uh, last week, and I can't stop picking it up and just finding little snippets and then googling extra stuff to try and find out more information. It's like so. that. You fall into it when you pick it up, and not to go into all too much of a hard booksellery mode. But I see this as something that kids give to their parents, and then. As they're like going through it with the kid, just getting totally absorbed. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely one of those books that both adults and children will love. Um, and hopefully, we'll spend the time reading together. Because, um, yeah, it just, I mean, there's all sorts of things in here. You've got things about burrowing bats and, um, you know, uh, a story about your encounter with a gorilla in a zoo, right. which I found fascinating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Dancing spiders? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's just so much stuff. Vultures, um, basically anything you want to know about any sort of animal, um, there's something in here for everyone. Yeah, it covers the gamut from jellyfish through to, you know, monkeys, pirates, <laughs> gorillas. Was well, it hard, because um, most of your previous books have been more scientific in nature or more of a um, hard-hitting adult-based novel, was it hard to switch gears and write for children? Extremely, yeah. I, I found it, it was something I had to learn. It was a new skill I had to learn. And yeah. Just by looking at other books and working with people and advice and so forth. But yeah, it was difficult. Well, we're very glad that you did it. Thank you. <laughs> and Tim, thank you so much for coming in today and talking to us. It's been amazing. I feel right. like I've had my mind blown a little bit. Great. <laughs> thank you. And um, listeners, you can get... Uh, Explore Your World, Weird, Wild, Amazing and all of Tim Flannery's book at Booktopia. Great. Thank and you. And can I just say oh. that the team from Hardy Grant have been brilliant. The book wouldn't exist without them. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you so much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget, for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.